Welcome across politics on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Good to be with you, Pastor Toby Chuck Knox, and I'm the Water Boy. Make sure you stick around for the second segment as we have kind of a unicorn pastor, Stephen Manning, coming on. Good stuff. And in our third segment, we're starting the new year with our second album in our Worldview Shotgun series. Or tablet. Bam. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Bam. <laughs> as we enter 2022, we ask that you would join our club and join our army of supporters as we engage the Lordship of Christ over politics. Amen. Yes. Folks, this last week was January 6th. Okay? Roll that clip. Christians. Yeah, you roll gotta, that I clip. Didn't roll, I didn't roll any of the clips when <laughs> we, we talked go. about this. Christians know January 6th is like the start of epiphany season, right? Mm. And, and carpetbaggers like maybe, maybe Ted Cruz know it as the Capitol Riots. Oh. Now, there's all kinds of noise surrounding what happened last year on January 6th, and it's important as Christians that we are not tossed by the prevailing waves. Republicans are taking the uh, pieces that fit their narrative. Democrats are taking the pieces that fit their narrative. Mm. And Russell Moore and Big Eva are taking the pieces that fit you know, their narrative, all right, or their cowardiceness or whatever you want to call it at this point. As Christians, we don't get the luxury of picking and choosing. And then crafting a narrative that is pleasing to our sensibilities. We don't, we don't get to ignore parts of the story that might mess with our desired outcomes. We just don't. That's right. Okay. Were, were there bad players involved in the Capitol debacle that deserved a fair trial? Absolutely. Mm. Were there fraudulent players involved in the Capitol riots? You know, like uh, political agitators and FBI actors? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Were there people in the crowds shouting at people to stop vandalizing? Yes. Yeah. Some of that too. Yeah. Were, were some of the Capitol police letting people into the buildings? Yes. There's all sorts of weirdness going on there. <laughs> now, the Democrats want you to think that this is an insurrection. You know, sorry, uh, Mr. Tumnus and FBI agitators do not constitute as an insurrection. It's right? not Mr. Tumnus. <laughs> Buffalo <laughs> man. Or, or that Buffalo we man. <laughs> almost lost our democracy. They want you to think this so you will be manipulated into giving them the power that would actually threaten our democracy, mm. like they want the federal elections out of all this. <laughs> yeah. But don't worry, Mr. Tumnus is in jail now, so our democracy is safe. Buffalo man. Unless you are unvaccinated or you are a conservative Christian singing psalms <laughs> while not wearing masks or social distancing. Bars. Yep. Thank you. Some on the right are arguing that nothing happened. Um, and it has all been driven by Antifa or was blown out of proportion by legacy media. Um, I had some people in communication with me that were arguing that. Some on the right want to downplay the broken windows, the mob anger, and the physical altercations with the police. The right and the left are using January 6th for their own gain, which aim is politi political control and manipulation. But no one's trying to honestly deal with what actually happened. I got a yes, couple sir. quotes here I want to give you. Yeah. Ted Cruz said this. He said this last week it was a violent terrorist attack on the Capitol, and Tucker Carlson lit him up. You got to check that yes, out. Yes, he did. Biden okay. said democracy was simply attacked, and that Trump and his supporters held a dagger at the throat a da at the throat of democracy. What? <laughs> hey, former VP Dick Cheney. I don't even know why I'm quoting him, but he came up. <laughs> I'm deeply disappointed. We don't have better leadership in the Republican Party to restore the Constitution. <laughs> And Russell Moore and Big Eva. Speaking of shotguns. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Said he was angry when he saw the insurrection insurrection occur. He called it an insurrection, even though there's no guns located on site, except for the police there. Everything. While the Capitol riots oddly did not happen again this year, the BLM riots happened again and again and again, over 20 times in 2020, yeah. to be exact. And they caused over a billion dollars in damages and killed over 35 people. Yeah. 
Okay, but here's the point. We are, we are Christians, which means God's word is our standard, and which means that when something like the capital rights occur, we process what happened through the lens of the scripture and not through partisan posturing or political gain. We don't do that. Yeah, yeah and that's been the actually the downfall of all of this is that we've been in the middle trying to figure out just what happened. Right. Um, we're supposed to have our politicians who are supposed to tell us the truth. And then we have the media on the other side who are supposed to be checking those politicians. But right now, we're like we're the, in the middle. We're the chickens in the middle. Right. And we're getting argued over between the dog and the fox. You know, And that's what right. it is. And, right. and my wife brought this up, and I thought this was such a great observation. She said, now those people inside of the, the Capitol know what it was like to be your mom when the Black Lives Matter that's riots right. were happening that's in right. Minneapolis. You remember our buddy like, John Cooper? That's yeah. right, John he was, Cooper. He was in Kenosha. It was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was I mean, and, yep. and they've they've been hyping this up. They've been playing towards the BLM riots, and we understand. What happened to being the voice of the people? Right. All right. You know, that's what yeah. a riot was. It's the voice of the unheard. Right. Well, if they were going to be consistent with how they've been handling all this, you'd have somebody out front of the Capitol saying, hey, these are mostly peaceful protests. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I, Bars you know, on that. Pastor, I just don't know why people can't say, too, you know what? Arrest the people who did the wrong things yeah. that's yeah. let's just keep it like yeah. that and there's you know there's good guys there's bad guys there's people in the middle it's complicated uh, but we right. can we can sort through it justin trudeau is whiter than a grand wizard in a blizzard oh damn. in a jen's hanning painting remember, oh snap. remember jen's hanning no. you got eighty five thousand dollars from a museum for a blank canvas almost like dr oh. seuss what you did there <laughs> Next, we take you to the great white nation of Canada. It's white in more than one way. <laughs> where Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is telling us that he is abusing his power without telling us he's abusing his power. What the notwithstanding clause does is says, regardless of the fact that we are attacking your fundamental rights or limiting your fundamental rights, and the Charter says that was wrong, we're still going to go ahead and do it. It's basically a loophole that allows a majority to override fundamental rights of a minority. So in context, Grand Wizard Trudeau yeah, is actually responding to the fact that a Muslim woman was fired from a school in Quebec for wearing a hijab. Hijab? Anyways, <laughs> um, there's a curious clause in the Canadian Constitution known as the notwithstanding clause, oh. also known as the power override. It's hmm. in section 33 of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Look at you. Yeah, I know. That wow. says that parliament or another legislature may temporarily make something a law that may be expressly forbidden elsewhere in the charter, <laughs> thus effectively nullifying any judicial review. It basically means that you can do something unconstitutional and illegal, and you can't do anything about it. I feel like I just went to Canadian civic class. Yeah. Here, Toby you know. speaks Canadian. <laughs> I didn't know that. A, Don't you know, eh? A bunch of folks on the right heard that tiny clip that you just heard or watched of Trudeau explaining that clause, and they understandably went berserk. I, I believe the Canadian word for berserk is berserk, eh? <laughs> and then a bunch of lefties, a bunch of lefties harumphed their way to the microphone to point out that in the full context of the clip, Trudeau was actually saying he was against that clause. In this case, the Muslim woman was fired for wearing a hijab in school after being told that her practice was now illegal, according to Bill 21, passed back in 2019. Mm. The bill also prohibits other people in positions of leadership from wearing religious symbols, secular status hijabs, you know, like face masks <laughs> in public. Ooh, but apparently no one has pointed that out 
uh, that hypocrisy out yet. Anyways, the full context of the Trudeau clip was him explaining why he would not be intervening in the Quebecian matter. I think that's a word. Hmm. Um, Since the notwithstanding clause gives the Quebec legislature the ability to power override any judicial review on this matter. So he was basically saying, my hands are tied, even though I don't agree with it. Um, they fire, you know, they passed this law, blah, 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 blah. This I act- wish Biden would actually say that about our Constitution. My <laughs> hands are tied, this well, is what the Constitution says. This is actually an example of what Gabe was talking about earlier, playing political football with an issue without reference to facts and the truth. Trudeau didn't say he was unilaterally taking to himself universal dictatorship, <laughs> powers beyond any judicial review. But it's very understandable, especially for us Americans who don't speak Canadianese. Except for you. To have misunderstood Mr. Trudeau's comments given the mass COVID tyranny of the last couple of years. We've been watching pastors being arrested for having church services, and so it's easy to understand why we would just assume that Mr. Trudeau was explaining why all that COVID tyranny was perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the Canadian Parliament has just passed Bill C-4, which criminalizes Christian counseling of sexual deviants. Mm. This is why the Liberty Coalition of Canada has organized a Biblical Sexuality Sermon Sunday this next Lord's Day, January 16th, yeah. the first Sunday after the bill goes into effect. This is because long before the Canadians had their quote-unquote notwithstanding clause, we had the word of God, which trumps all constitutions, all bills, all parliaments, all legislatures, and congresses, and executive orders, and there's no higher appeal than to Jesus Christ. So I'm actually going to be joining many faithful Canadian pastors, a bunch of American pastors jumping in, in preaching a notwithstanding message on biblical sexuality and the power of the gospel to change and convert all sexual sinners and give hope and healing in Jesus Christ. I just want to say that Grand Wizard Trudeau is wearing a black face. I know. Uh, it's, his, it's, it's, his, it's, his secular, it's a black mask. It's his secular face. hijab. Yeah. I'm confused. Did you just defend Trudeau? <laughs> <laughs> what just happened here? No, I just said that he was in context. Um, he was doing sort of a just a political thing where he was explaining that his hands are tied and the federal government can't step into um, a provincial law matter. That's what they say in Canada, provincial. Provincial. Yeah. But, eh? but you kind of defended him a little bit. Well, I just said he was pointing out what was actually written in the law. Yeah. You're saying he, you're keeping him in context. Grand Wizard Trudeau. But while everybody else is... Yeah, but, but I'm also saying it's perfectly understandable to misunderstand it. Right. But given the kind of Because it's a bad law. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and given the kind right. of tyranny that he and, and his and provincial you know what he's leaders. Do. Yeah. 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 yeah, exactly what they've been doing for a while. Yeah. Mm. This generation is finding out that they are not the man that their fathers were, and nothing even close to the man that their grandfathers were. And why? Well, they don't got the stuff, man. What stuff? <laughs> the testosterone stuff. Ooh. Also known as feminist kryptonite. <laughs> Men's testosterone <laughs> levels have actually dropped at least 20% in the last 20 years. Wait, are we still talking about Mr. Trudeau? Uh, yes, we are. Oh, <laughs> Or Mr. Tumnus? I want you to think about 9-11. That was actually 20 years ago, just to put this in oh, context wow. for you. Yeah. Wow. What that actually means is that the average 22-year-old man today has an average testosterone level roughly equal to that of a 67-year-old man in 2000. Wow, wow. Right on cue. Ouch. It's common for men to actually lose their testosterone as they age, but this is not just older men. The negative trend seems to be getting worse and happening actually to younger men at at a rapid uh, level than we've ever seen before in our current context. Testosterone is what makes men men. It's what makes them tough and hard and keeps them aggressive and ready to engage and makes them strong, muscular like me. I just want you to know that. (laughs) Maintains bone density (laughs) 
and high effective sperm counts to reproduce. We actually need those things. And doctors, they're trying to figure out this abnormal drop in testosterone. And I think they actually have some very valid observations. For instance, chemicals in our food. I think that, you know, put plastics in the microwave. So the harmful plastics, lack of exercise. We could all use a little bit more of that. Change in culture makeup. We're not doing the same jobs that our grandfather was. We're not being as physical as our grandfathers were. Video games, diet. But even the doctors know that this is all pure conjecture. They can't put their finger really on the one thing that's causing the problem. And the reason that they can't do this is because they haven't been researching in their Bibles. Seriously. The reason men are turning into milk sops is because of sin. Mm. Sure, sin of the garden, granted, but also the current sin too. 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears. They will heap to themselves teachers of accordance, uh, heap to themselves teachers in accordance with their own lusts. Mm. God is a good God. He gives you what you want. Mm. And that should scare you, actually. Do you find that in the right now, false teachers in the in the, in the in America have these mega churches and they're everywhere. It's permeating the culture. Yeah. Well, you're getting what you want. Do you find that men are softer than they were even I'm probably more than we've ever been before yeah. in our current history? Right. Well, you're getting what you want. It's not an accident. God is giving you exactly what you want. We as a culture, we are opposed to masculinity, the kind that knows how to say no and knows how to say no to porn. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and actually a lot of other things. And, and if we don't, use this testosterone to say no and defend righteousness and truth, then we're going to lose it. Yeah. And right now we're losing it big time. Yeah. Yeah. You, or misuse it or misuse it. And yeah. Lose that, it. And that's another form of misusing it too. Right. I look at everything that's happening right now, all the stories you just read and I, I see soft man. Yeah. When you look at the, um, you, you look right now at nine 11, I was thinking about this, the man that ran up the stairs, to yeah. go give their right. life on 9-11 on 9-11 i was watching the doc on um hulu i think it was that's the part series a yeah. part series or something right. like that and i was thinking about okay that wasn't any critical race theory stuff going on at the time that wasn't that world and those part guys probably were no. prejudiced maybe a little racist and who knows what was going on with but them but they would have saved your life that's my point they would have saved your life I, asked, I said babe i don't think we have those kind of men Anymore. today yeah you know, and so no. if I had to trade off, which one do I want? Yeah, I want that. Right. And I would prefer a better standard, of course. But right. if I have to trade between the two, right. I want a man. Right. And I don't think that right, right now our culture wants to produce that, which is why we couldn't say no in 2020. Yeah, we couldn't say That's no right. in 2021. Maybe right. we'll say no in 2022. And hopefully we'll say no in 2022. Christians need to start thinking about doing business with fellow Christians. No, this isn't a plug for our FLF business listing. This is a plug for Bobo Construction Incorporated. Are you a developer, architect, or project owner? If so, I have a Christian commercial construction company that you should be partnering with now. Bobo Construction Inc. is a fourth-generation, family-owned general contractor that was founded back in 1952. 
when they were still men. Amen. Their that's model right. is whatever is fair and right, that's what we do. The Bubble Construction Inc. headquarters is in Sacramento County, California, and they are defying vaccine mandates. <laughs> so, boom. Bubble Construction Inc. has recently expanded into Idaho and eastern Washington with offices in Meridian and Coeur d'Alene and is in search of potential partners to wage war on tyranny. They can do any commercial project from zero to 80 million. Some of their past projects include retail, office buildings, schools, colleges, sustainable wow. construction, and industrial facilities. To learn more about Bobo Construction, Inc., visit them at www.boboconstructioninc.com. You can also contact Austin Bobo at a Bobo, B-O-B-O, at boboconstructioninc.com or call him at 208-789-0995. Wow. He put his telephone number. That's a no, bold no. man. <laughs> that, that man, he got some testosterone. He's, a, yeah. he's still working with them hands. Yeah. Building up there. He's not losing it. He's using it, baby. All right, coming up next, we have Pastor, is it uh, Mannion? Mannion. Stephen Mannion. Stephen Mannion. Yeah. I want to say Mannion Unicorn. Yeah. Unicorn. <laughs> and third segment, you don't want to miss that because uh -oh. we're talking about the Worldview Shotgun Series 2. More cross-politic coming up next. Welcome back to Cross Politic on the one and only Fight Laugh Feast Network. This segment is brought to you by Classical Conversations. Classical Conversations supports homeschooling parents by cultivating the love of learning through a Christian worldview yeah. in fellowship with other families. We provide classical Christ-centered curriculum, local like-minded communities across the United States and several countries. They train parents who are striving to be great classical educators in the home. For more information to get connected, please visit the website at classicalconversations.com. What? Classical Christian Get Connected Get Community classicalconversations.com. Ah, there we go. There you go. Hey, with us right now on the line, we're grateful to have Pastor Stephen Mannion. He's a pastor at Faith and Emmanuel United Methodist Churches, I think in Orchard Park, New York. Pastor Stephen, thanks for joining us on Cross Politic. Great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me on. That's a lot of churches. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> pastor, not just one church. Probably should read Bishop. <laughs> oh, Lord, no. He's a circuit writer. You know, the method has been doing that for, yeah. a, for a minute. Did yeah, I hear that's New true. York? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Steven, you recently wrote an op-ed in the official United Methodist news site calling your denomination, the United Methodist Church, to repentance Ooh. for defining truth by cultural impulses rather than the God-breathed Holy Scriptures. And we were just wondering if you're safe there in New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of like the... Uh, the eye of the, uh, not, not the eye of the storm, the, the, in the heat of the storm up here, but um, where darkness is darkest, the light shines even brighter. So your security team is doing all right. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so are you? I, are you a unit? I have had people. I have had uh, my uh, district superintendent, which is like you know my local supervisor, so to speak. He uh, he um, he informed me that I that he gets an email about me every week, and um, he showed me an email of 
people, someone taking photos of my church and labeling people walking in and writing bios on them. He showed me this email. That's wow. the level of psychosis. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 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 So yeah, you, I mean, it seems like you're kind of a unicorn in the United Methodist church. I was, I was going to ask if people take pictures of you and send it to their grandmothers, but, um, but apparently, apparently he's broader than that. <laughs> not just their grandmothers, <laughs> huh? Yeah. So you called the United Methodist church back to the word of God. Uh, mm-hmm. But your article is, I mean, still fairly generic. You don't mention any specific areas where the United Methodist Church is um, actually defining things by culture rather than the Word of God. Um, was that part? Was that part of your article censored by Jack Dorsey, or um, <laughs> what other kinds of things are you talking about? Well, they give you a certain amount of words for an op-ed, so you have to be succinct. And, and I'm of the belief that they they know what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit, uh, the Word of God has been has been um, yelling at them, you know, since this all this decline began. But specifically, um, you know, um, the em- embracing of homosexual marriage and embrace, uh, the endorsing of that lifestyle as being holy, when when clearly uh, Scripture defines it as between a, between a man and a woman, the departure from um, embracing the Word of God as the um, infallible Word of God, which Incidentally, John Wesley said clearly in his uh, 16th sermon, um, he's, and which is considered a, uh, his sermons are considered official United Methodist uh, uh, doctrine sources. <laughs> um, they've, you know, just abandoned, um, embraced a lot of social justice issues. Um, um, there's a, there's, there's so many uh, different issues where they've, where this, this denomination has just ran after the world in, instead of running after God. So, uh, Pastor Manning, at what point um, do you bring your churches, you lead your churches out of a denomination that is, that has rejected God? That's, that's a really good question. And there is a split coming um, right now. If you, if you would, if you would have to leave, um, You'd have to pay for your building all over again. You'd have to pay um, unpaid uh, pension liability, which to me is like fine. If that's um, if that's what it takes to be loyal to the Word of God, that's fine. Um, I tried to get out of the United Methodist Church, um, but um, I was looking for positions, looking for positions, and I felt um, God told me, wait, I will give you a position. I will place a position in your lap that I want you to have when the time is right. Right now, be a light, be loyal to the word of God, be a true, what a true Methodist, a true, yeah, what John right. Wesley mm-hmm. would have taught. And so, um, and, and so I'm being uh, true to the word of God in the meantime, um, there's a split coming in the United Methodist church. They've postponed general conference now twice because of COVID. So we have in August, 2021, there is our general conference in both sides. Um, there's have but now basically, uh, agreed, what's called the protocol for reconciliation. And it's an agreed, it's a, it's a basically keep all your assets and split. Um, so mm. both of my churches are holding out for that, which should be, uh, in August. And so you form a new Methodist denomination or yep. what, what does that split look like? Yes. There's going to be a new, uh, tra- tra- uh, traditionalist, which I call biblical, um, Methodist denomination that'll be called the, the global Methodist church. Um, even after the split, that'll be the largest Methodist denomination in the world. Um, the, the, in the United States, the United Methodist church is about 70% liberal. 
a 30 percent, you know, uh, scriptural, uh-huh. but worldwide, the United Methodist Church is um, still a scriptural. That's why in the last general conference we upheld marriage between a, between a man and a woman, even though the United States uh, so Methodists did not wow. like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we are a worldwide denomination. So when we have general conferences, delegates come from all over the world, and Africa now makes up, uh, I think it's forty eight percent of the church, the United Methodist Church in Africa is growing by about 150,000 people a year. The United, wow. the American church is shrinking by that much. Mm. <laughs> how long, um, so help me with this pastor, how long have, have you been um, a Methodist pastor? When did you get inside the denomination? I was raised Lutheran, a, a conservative Lutheran church. I went to a Presbyterian seminary. I was never a Presbyterian, but I went to the Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Pittsburgh because it was the only conservative school in the city. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm from is Pittsburgh. And then I um, ended up getting an associate position at a Church of the Nazarene. And uh, then eventually was an associate at a Methodist church and then married a girl up here in Buffalo. And she dragged me up here and um, I wrote to this, to the district superintendent. And, that, and that's when I became a uh, Methodist pastor. So when you jumped inside to become a Methodist, you already knew, though, that you were jumping into liberal waters. It wasn't like you were like, oh, this is I'm somewhat conservative and slipping. Mm-hmm. It's always been that way. So why would you jump into a Methodist environment knowing that it was already liberal? I knew it was a liberal denomination, but I didn't realize the extent of it. It's even worse than you guys think. Uh, <laughs> well, explain so, that to me. I'm actually intrigued by that. What do you mean by it's worse than what we think? I went to, I actually wrote another article for for United Methodist News two years, no, four years ago now called, um, called uh, I forget what I called it, what it was called. Um, I went to my first annual conference in Upper New York and walked in and heard and had people standing up to speak saying whether they are male or female or non-binary um Oof. i was blown away like really we need to we need to point this out um and then uh we had the youth and the youth service getting up lecturing the traditionalists about how unloving they are we have i mean there's so much it's wow. so much it's so much uh deeper uh the endorsement of critical race theory in upper new york conference i I wrote an article for the the buffalo news calling out that um uh so yes i knew it was it was liberal but i did do a lot of uh prayer with my my wife and myself before taking this position and i think we place too much value too much weight i'd say on on a a uh denomination um what i am responsible for is whether I, especially, is whether I preach the word of God faithfully where in the local church where God has placed me. Uh-huh. So regardless of what happens in the, the denomination, if they kick me out at some point, so be it. But what, whatever local church I'm in, uh, um, my my main goal is to be a, uh, a loyal uh, purveyor of the word of God. So you're writing articles to try and help move, though, the denomination— Right. You see where they're at and you're like, hey, this isn't biblical. What's the what's the next fire that you feel like you really need to start in order to because I kind of feel I've been um, doing some work with people who are inside the Southern Baptist Convention. And it seems like you're not the only one who's experiencing some of this angst here with the denomination as it's tilting to go liberal. The uh, Southern Baptists, they've had this happen back and forth over the years. But I see a lot of guys ready to jump ship and other guys want to stay and fight. But the guys who want to stay and fight don't want to light the fires that they need to light in order to act 
actually have an effect on the denomination. And so I guess my question for you is, as you're sitting here and you're being a faithful pastor to your flock and you're finding yourself connected somehow to the denomination, too, what is the fire that you're like, we need to set this fire right here, right now? What, and, and I want general, I kind of want a little more specific of like, this is where I want to pick the fight at. I'd say the main, it all comes down to view of scripture, doesn't it? Yeah. All these issues come down to how the weight they place on scripture. And um, in the book of discipline, which is like our, you know, our book of uh, official church, church, church teachings, they, um, they, they hesitate to use the word. They don't use the word infallible or inerrant in referring to scripture, even though Wesley did. And mm. um, so there's this lack of, and so that was with my article. I wanted to call them back to scripture. All these issues are symptoms of a deeper issue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh, we look- lack of. Sorry, am I here now? Yeah, yeah, yeah you go ahead. Good. Sorry, I, I, someone was trying to call me. <laughs> uh, your your uh, district superintendent. Of, it's the lack of 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 surrendering to to the word of God. This, the homosexual stuff. The all these issues are all a symptom of a deeper spiritual problem, and so they need to repent of uh, the church needs to repent of of departing from the word of God in any way that they did. And uh, like I said, my article or the Lord says he will remove our lampstand from his presence. Right. And, and, I, and, um, and so that's what will happen. And so the main issue I'd say is, is their view of the uh, word of God. Yeah. Steve, when, I when, mean, when a lot of the American mainline denominations were going um, liberal in the early part of the 20th century, um, it, it was it centered around the word of God. Right. And the one of the almost immediate first things had to do with um, uh, understanding um, men and women and yeah. the ordination yeah. of men um, to the office of elder and pastor. And that seems to have been a watershed issue. And in many respects, I'm thinking um, if the United Methodists can't repent of that mistake, of, of going against God's clear word that men are called to the ministry, um, I think you're going to keep ending up every couple decades with people standing up in your meetings identifying themselves as men or women or non-binary. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, uh, MacArthur's talked about that, how as soon as you depart from God's word and one thing, it's just a matter of a, a constant collapse. Um, um, I am, I can get myself in trouble for saying that I'm complimentary myself. But I do not see that as an essential of the Christian faith, um, as a salvation issue. Um, I believe someone could be an egalitarian and and still be, um, I don't know, uh, can be wrong on that. Um, and God will 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 reveal truth to them in time. I believe you can be an egalitarian and be a Christian. Um, sure. Again, I focus on my local church. Um, I am a pastor of a local church. If I ever, if my church ever got big enough where I needed an associate pastor, it would be a man. Um, one, because of my personal will to the Word of God, and also, second of all, because I don't want to be working close and intimate with a, with a, with a female as my associate pastor. There's, so there's a practical <laughs> practical purpose there too. Sure. So, um, so yeah, there, you know, there is this, this, there is definitely a feministic pursuit in the church, and, and it's true. As soon as you take away God's line, there is no line. That's right. How many how many pastors are with you in in the U.S. and fighting with you um, in the UMC? There's one other guy in my district who's great. 
he's on fire and he's a, and, um, he's so, um, and, but there's, there, I was told this years ago, I was told this by a pastor that left that most of the really scriptural, most, in other words, most of the really scriptural Methodists already left yep. years ago. Oh, yep. They left to join the free Methodist church, wow. the Wesleyan church, um, went independent, that kind of stuff. So, um, those who are remaining, who are traditionalist, typically are um, silent about it, and they also tolerate, like I mentioned in my article, they, they tolerate false teachers, and they think they're being loving and patient by doing so, but the scripture is very clear about how you should handle false teachers, yeah. and they do not handle it in that way. So the, um, I think most are afraid to say something. So, so I came in as a super biblical conservative Christian and was dropped in, you know, as a senior pastor four years ago. So I'm kind of in here like fresh off the boat, so to speak, <laughs> and seeing the, the like rampant um, heresy and the, and the denomination and the fact that a lot of the biblical Christians um, tolerate that heresy. Yeah. And so I'm kind of calling it out. Like, have you got, how do you guys not see this? Yeah. How do you not see this? Right. So I, I grew up in the PCA church, Presbyterian church of America. And it, it, if you know any history there, it basically split from the PCUSA uh, mm -hmm. church denomination back in the seventies. And it was over inerrancy. It was over women in ministry. Right. Um, it was over. Basically those were the two driving issues. And so the PCA split from that. Well, now here we are. 40 years later, and the PCA is starting to go liberal. Inerrancy of Scripture is becoming a problem. Now, they, they won't uh, articulate it this way, yeah, yeah. but like, um, uh, I'll give you an example. I had a friend who uh, was um, going through ordination and being examined uh, by a committee in his presbytery down south, and there was about, I think, eight, eight pastors being examined, and seven of them, he was the only pastor that signed off to, um, I believe in a six day literal creation. Yeah. All seven pastors took what we call in the PCA in exceptions yeah. saying that they didn't believe in a six day creation. And that's, that to me is a watershed issue of going liberal from, from the jump. And you've, you've seen it happen. Um, but a lot of these pastors in the PCA, I mean, there's probably, I would say actually in the PCA, most of the PCA is still conservative. And they would win all the votes if they actually just showed up to vote. Right. But 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 they don't. And and many uh, because there's they're mostly concerned with the local congregation. <laughs> right. Bless their hearts. Yeah, bless their hearts. Uh -huh. And but the problem and the thing that frustrates me is, is that there's no fight in conservatives. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. God, like I mean the 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 the, the, to be a Christian, first and foremost, means you need to fight your own sin. It's 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 a fighting religion. Um, you need to fight your own sin, and you need to fight for truth. And you need to fight. You know, of course, we fight on God's terms, God's way, not not our way. And so, Gabe, um, have you seen his bandana? Yeah, I, I think he is a fighter. Yeah. I think he is. <laughs> well, and I guess I just pose that to the UMC. It's like it sounds like it's you and maybe like three guys. You got like Gideon, not even Gideon's army there with you. It's jo it's Jonathan and his armor bearer. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. So, <laughs> yeah. So, Pastor, are you writing on blogs anywhere right now? I know you're writing articles. Which I actually am curious to what your next article is going to be. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I just write them as as I feel the Holy Spirit lead me. I, I uh, never thought of myself as a writer, but I kind of discovered that I'm a 
you know, pretty decent writer. So I, um, I'm always paying attention and I look like, you know, I, I wrote this one close to the, uh, you know, the anniversary of the, uh, reformation, the 95 theses. So right. it's like, yeah. what theses would I write to the United Methodist church? Right. You know, uh, like, and so, so it's, it's kind of that kind of thing. Yeah. I gotta, uh, so we'll see. I, I don't su- know. I don't have anything planned. I got a suggestion for you. Um, okay. how women pastors are destroying our denomination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a real. Uh, that'll be. A, Maybe, that'll be a, I'll, I'll <laughs> even. I'll even ghostwrite it for you, man. You just put your name on it. <laughs> I, I, I think. I think right around Mother's Day would be Dude, the perfect time. Yeah. For that one. Oh. <laughs> hey, you want to start oh, a fire? Wow. Hey, Pastor, where can people pay attention to what you're doing and follow where you're um, where you're engaging at on social media and other platforms? Um. Um, on YouTube, it's under uh, Stephen Mannion, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, as in the scriptural way of spelling it, and Mannion, M-A-N-N-I-O-N. So that's my YouTube channel. Um, and then um, I'm on a podcast called The the Caffeinated Christian. We talk about uh, cultural uh, things with a um, and how what, what scripture speaks speaks to those. So The Caffeinated Christian podcast. Um, and, and, and uh, you can search me on, on Facebook as well, just under my uh, name. Um, appreciate it. Yeah. All right, Pastor. Thank you for joining us, man. We're praying for you. Stay strong out there. Hey, pick some good fights, yeah, brother. Man. Yeah, man. And go win Thanks, those guys. fights. We're, we're with you. Yeah. More cross politics coming up. You've asked for it, and it is here. Ooh. Tablet two Ooh. of the Worldview Shotgun series, Ooh. baby. Getting started. It's about to go down. We're going to do it for you here give, next. Give, give the shotgun. I can't. I'm playing it. I got uh, uh, too much. <laughs> next <laughs> on cross politics. <laughs> there, there we go. Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations. Our most precious commodity is time. No one has ever lied on their deathbed wishing they had spent more time making money. They all wish they had spent more time creating a legacy. Our modern education system steals that legacy, steals that time from our children. That's why I'm passionate about homeschooling. That's why at Classical Conversations we want to give you more time to create that legacy, follow your passions, and glorify God. Visit classicalconversations.com for more information. Yeah. Did yeah. I do it right? He didn't. He he didn't even do it. <laughs> Welcome back to Cross Politic. God has blessed Cross Politic enormously, particularly through our club members. Yeah. We love you people. Yeah. Yeah. And so Amazing. we've committed ourselves to blessing others. We want to give back some of what we've been given. So here we are announcing brrr, Fight Laugh Feast New St. Andrews College. Women's Scholarship, beginning fall of 2022, that's this year, mm-hmm. in the interest of promoting hard-hitting, thoroughly biblical education for life. Cross Politics Studios is very excited to present the Fight, Laugh, Feast Beast Mode Homemaker nice. Scholarship nice. Yeah, for baby. qualified first-year female students who have been accepted to New St. Andrews College. Biological females. This scholarship will fund almost half a young woman's annual tuition for four years. That's quattro. Because CrossPolitik wants to encourage young women to prepare themselves to take dominion and be fruitful through beast mode homemaking, this scholarship is specifically offered to qualified young women. How to be considered for the Fight, Laugh, Feast Beast Mode Homemaker Scholarship. Number one, apply to New St. Andrews College and receive official notification that you have been accepted. Mm. Two, write a short essay, about a thousand words, explaining why you are the woman to receive this scholarship. This essay should be thoughtful, good-humored, feminine, 
and well-written. Mm. The essay should include reasons for why you believe a new St. Andrews College education will equip you to live for Jesus and defy the enemies of God. Amen. The essay should be sent to contact at fightlaughfeast.com by February 1st. Three, the cross-politic wives, that's Annie, mm-hmm. Sharon, mm-hmm. Jenny, will review all applications. You like that? I kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. I need to tell my wife still. <laughs> <laughs> and if there is a worthy applicant, we will schedule an interview with up to t- the top three candidates uh, with the with the ladies, there, and they're going to interview them and, and, and then make a recommendation. And the cross-politic guys will announce the winner of the scholarship on a cross-politic show with great fanfare sometime by April 1st of, the, of this year. Woo-hoo. Number four, the scholarship is for full-time mar- matric- matriculating. Who wrote the big this? word. <laughs> First-year females. Who'd graduate from this? That's, a, col- that's a college <laughs> word. Who went to NSA here? <laughs> Uh, First-year females, as defined by God and old-fashioned biology, as mentioned. because at New St. Andrews College, they know biology better than the Supreme Court. Ouch. And automatically, it will renew for up to four years. The scholarship is contingent, though, on remaining such a student in good standing, academically and morally, and living like a faithful Christian woman in our community. The scholarship can be revoked at any time by the cross-politic gods, should a young woman prove to be unworthy of this honor. All right. Mm. Boom. This is where I, I do my thing, right? Yep. Yep. Here we go. Uh-oh. Mm. Oh. Welcome to a cross-politic worldview shotgun series tablet two. Dos. If Dos. you haven't, you don't know where to stop it. This is this is a little tricky. I'm going to help you, but just listen. I'm going to tell you when to What's stop. What's going to happen next? Just wait for it. Uh-oh. Just rock with me. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. If Here you haven't go. heard Word Blue Series Stop. 1, then... Okay. There we go. All right, now you can. That gets me right here every, every time. time. Like, every like time. This, the six-year-old boy right yeah, inside yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that one. Believe it or not, almost six years ago, we started this thing called Cross-Politic, man. Six, six years ago. Years ago. Mm. God is good. We started cross politic because we believe there's a gaping hole to be filled in the media world for those committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Mm. You've got good and helpful folks on the right, sometimes with a Christian and biblical worldview in the background, maybe not. But often the right is just playing tug of war with the left, Mm. which, man, how should we put it? That's just not very helpful. Yeah, Yeah, it's actually a losing strategy. Yeah. Then you have guys doing theology and apologetics and worldview stuff. But not doing news and current events. I mean, is that even possible? I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Right. I don't know how. You, I don't know how you do that. But not doing current events. We wanted to do both. We believe the church needs to do both. Our theology needs to come out our fingertips yeah. and and touch everything. Right. Okay. I'm pretty sure the only guy we knew about when we started was Al Mohler. He was actually taking current events and news, reporting and analyzing with an explicitly baptistic biblical tool set. <laughs> But we wanted to do this that sort of thing with less bow tie and a little more NASCAR, you know? Let's go. Let's go. No, I'm not. Never mind. In a way that Joe, blue-collar Christian, would enjoy, learn from, and be encouraged to go kick some liberal ass. Oh, Uh, that's what it says in Greek, actually. Okay. It says it in the Greek. Thank you for covering me. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, Mm. but have divine power to destroy strongholds, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive 
to obey Christ, basically in the Greek. That's what that's what it says. So, so the three of us get together every week to talk about what's happening in the world around us, interview interesting people, and try to think about how to live in this world in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ over everything. A few years ago, we put together the first volume of what we call the Worldview Shotgun Series trying to explain in more depth kind of what we do and what drives all of this that we do here at Cross Politic. What's the engine underneath the hood? We put together 10 chapters to, to tell you what that was, which is our club members. If you are one, you can download in the club portal or just open up your app and listen to them as well. But we promised you 20. Yeah. And now we're back, baby, with 10 more, this time with video and audio and a lot of swag. <laughs> so, like we said last time, consider this. These are some of the most smooth stones that we found um, that are useful to us that we can yeet at the giants in our own lives. And hopefully, like that, yeet. You said yeet. Yeah, I did yeah. say yeet. Hopefully, God will be pleased to use this series to put a shotgun in your own hands to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against our Lord Jesus Christ to take every thought captive to obey him. So we invite you to join us as we present the next 10 shotgun talks, talks, can we call them talk series? Talks on what makes a Christian biblical and covenantal worldview. So without any further ado, <laughs> you gonna do it again? <laughs> yes, I am. Welcome to Cross Politic Worldview Shotgun Series, Tablet 2. It's a little deja vu. We're in Chapter 1, Molotov oh, Marriage. It's chapter 11. And I was going to say Chapter 1 with another one, but first I got to pause and wait for this break. Hold on. Ooh. Where is it? And... In order oh, to understand man. the explosive nature of marriage, we really have to review the explosive nature of covenants. We talk about covenants a lot around here. A lot. I like and, it a lot. And, and that's because covenants are explosive. Covenants are, are potent. flammable. They're potent, too. I, yeah. I, I don't, don't interrupt me. Okay. I wanted okay. the potent one. Covenants. Sometimes I'm just trying are to help. Potent. <laughs> Sometimes. Stop helping. You're like the government. That's because covenant is how God is determined to work out his purposes in this world. Yeah. Covenant, as we've said before, is a solemn bond, sovereignly administered with attendant blessings and curses. That's where the explosive stuff comes. Mm. A covenant is an oath, a promise, wherein God is particularly promised to be present, to bless faith and obedience or to punish and curse disobedience and unbelief. The first covenant was the covenant of creation or covenant of, of works with Adam in the garden where God promised him eternal life if he was obedient to God's commands and didn't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The covenant promised life uh, uh, for Adam and all his descendants uh, if he obeyed life if he obeyed right but if they broke covenant if they broke covenant with god well then the promise uh, was death for adam and all his descendants right? and adam he disobeyed and broke covenant and plunged the whole human race and the whole world into sin and death and that was explosive potent stop it flammable <laughs> but god potent and you're helping <laughs> he's encouraging well like I, a good pastor the thing that i was trying to help clear up is that God didn't allow that explosion to have the last word. Also, yeah, explosion. Right. God made a new covenant called the covenant of grace, which 
is a bigger explosion. Uh, promising Adam and Eve that one of Eve's descendants would undo the curse of the sin of Adam and restore humanity to the glory we were made mm. for, to fill this world with glory and beauty and goodness under the blessing of God. That's Jesus. Amen. Amen. He's the seed of the woman who crushed the head of the serpent. He became sin for us. He took our curse, the cursed death of the cross, and all our sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And that's explosive. Potent. That's flammable. <laughs> He's doing it to you, too. <laughs> he doesn't care. We talked about that some in the first 10 chapters of the series. Jesus said if, you, if he was lifted up, he would draw all men to himself. In other words, the reason we talk about covenant so much is that is that's how we're actually saved. Right. But it's, the, it's way more than just getting saved. The covenant of grace is driving history forward. God's word cannot be broken. And God has promised Christ the nations of the entire earth as his full inheritance. Ask of me, he said, and I will give thee the heathen for an inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. That's Psalms 2.8. What did God promise Abraham? That all the nations of the earth would actually be blessed through his descendants. Yeah. The central descendant of Abraham is Jesus. But yeah. in him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So, so real quick, we, you just stated that um, uh, we are saved through covenant. Yeah. Right. Flesh that out just, just real quick. Well, the promises to Jesus. Uh -huh. So, so God, that's, that's what he just read. The Psalm, Psalm 2, ask of me. That's uh -huh. the blessing. So Jesus was faithful where Adam was not. The yep. Bible, the New Testament says that Jesus is the new Adam. Okay. And so he's a new covenant head. And actually, if you really want to hear this, you need to go back and listen to the first say, tablet, yeah. Gabe. The first tablet, Worldview Shotgun. You know how you series. can get the first tablet? Yeah. Download the app. Download the app. Hey. Look what I did there. Yeah. <laughs> so the central descendant of Abraham is Jesus. And in him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. But nations are made up of families. Mm. And families are formed by? Potent. No, I'm just kidding. Marriage. <laughs> marriage. Potent marriage. Is what brings us together today. I, I can't believe you just did that on our World View Shotgun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, this was like all like highbrow wow. and NASCAR. I know. Princess is NASCAR Bride. highbrow? <laughs> Princess Bride is highbrow, so oh, you know that. Oh, okay. So families are formed by marriage, and marriage is covenant between one a biological man. Do we do we have to yeah. say? Have I to have say to say that these days. And one biological woman, and that means that marriage is explosive, potent. See, I did it. <laughs> Powerful. Yeah. Nuclear. <laughs> <laughs> marriage is one of the other covenants that God has established in the world at creation between Adam and Eve. Marriage, as God established in creation, is another covenant that powers the world. Powers it. That's right. That, did I say that right? <laughs> powers you just, it. You amen to me. Okay. Yeah. Marriage is what God says it is, uh. what he created it to be. And it's important to point that out because people in our world today are trying to redefine it. Yeah. So think about the covenant of marriage as one of the major, you know, gears that God has appointed to drive the world towards its, you know, culmination in Christ. Christ is the central gear, but marriage reflects the gospel, and so it shares in some of that potency. You like like that potency? Yeah, potent. Yeah. So we see that marriage is a covenant in the fact that the Bible describes the harlot as a woman who forgets her covenant mm -hmm. with God. So this is in Proverbs 2.17, which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. Or likewise, God condemns the treachery of the Israelite men against their wives. The Lord hath been witness between thee and thy, the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously. 
yet she is thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. That's Malachi wow. two fourteen. Yeah. So a marriage is a covenant bond formed through a solemn oath exchanged by a man and a woman in the sight of God and sealed through the one flesh sexual union. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> All right. But the key point for our purposes here is that God promises to bless that covenant union powerfully for mm. those who keep covenant with their spouse by faith in God. That's the potency. That's the power. Amen. Why does our culture want to destroy marriage and the family? Well, because they want to take your guns away. That's that, that doggone it. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and not just some of your guns, all of your guns. And not only your AR-15, not only your shotgun, but even more, they want to take away the power and potency of the covenant of marriage and family. Throughout scripture, God has promised particular blessings through believers in the covenant of marriage. Marriage is a shotgun, baby. No, no. Marriage is a nuke. Oh, oh man. We, you just upped the ante. I did. I did. Just yeah. like that. Yeah. One of the ways we can see this is in the civil penalties for mm. adultery in the Old Testament. Mm. We can generally understand the death penalty for murder, yep. but we might have a harder time with the death penalty for adultery. Has that ever bothered you? Yeah. But that's because we have a low view of the covenant of marriage. Wow. Rather than questioning God and accusing him of being harsh or barbaric in the Old Testament, we should reevaluate our views of marriage. When God says that the death penalty is a reasonable maximum penalty for adultery, he is in effect saying that when you commit adultery, you are committing a kind of murder. Mm. That one flesh union is a unique covenant life that God loves and protects, and therefore he insists that we honor it, we protect it. Adultery is murderous violence to that covenant Ooh. union. <laughs> there you go again. God, um, God says this particularly about divorce. He hates it because it covers the people involved with violence. That's what it says in Malachi 2. Malachi 2, divorce is violence. Divorce destroys lives and leaves people scared, and we see this not, throughout our land. Not Sc scared. Sacred, scared, scarred, <laughs> scarred. Pick we, one. Sacred, Quick. scared, and scarred all at the same time. And yeah. you actually actually look at our nation. Yeah. You know, divorce yeah. is rampant right. in our country and you see children I, growing yeah. up without dads. And this is why I say this this is called this is nuclear fallout. Yeah, that's, that's right. The nuclear fallout. It goes both ways. The destruction yeah. of the nuclear family. Yeah. Right. So, you know, man, there's so much to say about that, but this means that the roles of husband and wife are actually not arbitrary. That's right. God is not winging it and he just is not making it up as he goes along. The roles of husband and wife are uniquely suited to the marriage covenant and to our calling as men and as women. A marriage is a nuclear power plant like you were just talking about, Pastor. And every husband has a particular role and every wife has a particular role. Amen. Yeah, just, just, Amen. Think, just think about this. I mean, to the roles. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, how would you feel about a nuclear power plant just winging it? Yeah, <laughs> I have a whole uh, no. no, 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 don't right. do that. Don't play with that because yeah. it's powerful. Well, the yeah, government right? did back in the 60s and 70s. When yeah, we yeah, right. Well, we've been doing <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing this. Yeah. So the Bible teaches that husbands are the head of the marriage covenant and they are to love their wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. This is their role on the nuclear power plant. They're to take responsibility for their wives like their own bodies, just like Christ does the church. Now, that's a tall order. Crazy yeah, hard. Yeah, and God will hold men responsible. Mm. The question is not whether men picture Christ. The only question is how do they picture Christ? That's mm. right. Husbands are talking about Jesus all day long. 
in how they work. Are you selfish Jesus? Yeah. Are you how are they, you lustful Jesus? How they talk to yep. their wives and mm-hmm. children? Are you a harsh Jesus? How they That's serve, right. how they lead, how they correct, and all the decisions they make. That cuts mm. back on me. Yeah, and Christ really is the model here. Yeah. He came yep. and served us by leading us back to God in obedience to God. Men must imitate that sacrificial leadership. They serve their wife by leading her to Christ in obedience to his word. And the Bible says that the central calling of a husband is to love his wife. Mm -hmm. This means dwelling with your wife in an understanding way, honoring her, even in her weakness, protecting her, providing for her physical and spiritual needs, and talking to her. complimenting her telling her you love her buying her flowers and chocolates or vacuum cleaners <laughs> chocolates that's that's explosive that's nuclear potent flammable <laughs> that's my word potent and god requires a wife to respect and obey her husband uh oh there's that word obey, obey. Oh. <laughs> yeah, i'm trying to get to roll on that's yeah. the word she has to obey though just like her husband has to obey jesus and love his I'm, wife that's not that fair <laughs> you know we don't really flinch so much when we're talking about obeying police officers or judges. That's, That's right. because the state is our God. We're happy to obey them. <laughs> right. Or mm-hmm. we don't flinch when a boss says, you have to be at work by 8 a.m. You know, nobody says, I'm being oppressed. Right? Yeah, My humanity. <laughs> or maybe they do now. I don't know. Or you have to do your job a certain way. You have to obey your boss, right? Well, that's because money is our other God. Right. <laughs> Oof. But true. God teaches that a Christian wife must respect and obey her husband, just like the church respects and submits to Christ. There's nothing demeaning in obedience. In fact, Jesus obeyed his father, even to the point of death on the cross. And was that obedience demeaning? No, it actually was very, very glorious. And it actually saved the whole world. Yeah, amen. We need to remember that. So the obedience of a Christian woman is really glorious and powerful and nuclear. Can I say potent? Nuclear? nuclear? Uh, When she submits to her own husband. Right, and and that's the other thing. The Bible does not teach that women have to submit to men in general. Uh Uh-uh. That's a Muslim thing. Yeah. The Bible teaches that one Christian woman may, if she wants, freely choose to give herself to one man for the rest of her life and submit to him. Mm. It's also a Democratic Party thing right now. Just just What? (laughs) What? Okay. Tell me later. Google it. (laughs) Apparently, the feminists are only okay with free women freely choosing to do what they want Mm. whenever it's whatever the other women want them to choose. I got you some G.K. Chesterton here. Uh I love me some G.K. Feminism is a muddled idea that women are free when they serve their employers, but all of a sudden, uh, slaves mm. when they help their husbands. Right. That's facts. What, yeah. what, one last thing. The Bible discusses husbands and wives in a number of places, and when it does, it frequently emphasizes husbands loving, mm. wives respecting. This doesn't mean that husbands don't need to respect or that wives don't need to love, but God's telling us something important about what men and women need and what we are liable to forget. That's right. Husbands need respect and wives need love. Uh, Pastor Doug Wilson, he actually likes to talk about this. And he says that uh, men run on diesel yeah. and women run on unleaded. But we tend to try to give the other person what it is we want or need. Right, right. So women often try to love their husbands and husbands often try to respect their wives. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not too terrible, it actually may cause some backfiring in the vehicle from time to time and and maybe even break it. Right, because that's not the fuel that doesn't run that run on, right? So try the other fuel. Men, you're naturally inclined to respect, but love your wife. Amen. Women, you're naturally inclined to love, respect your husband. 
Try it and see if God doesn't turn your marriage up a notch or two. That's right. So this is the marriage covenant, a nuclear reactor from which springs so much culture, so much life, so much freedom because it reflects the gospel. Yes. Obedience to mm. God is freedom. Never forget that. It's doing what you are made for. And when he sets the covenant of marriage before us, he is setting freedom before us mm. and power. You know, as Christians, we often think changing the world comes from evangelism, you know, sending out missionaries or right. starting ministries to the poor. Which are fine. Yeah, those are all, all good. But the central way, we miss this, the central way we change the world is through godly marriages mm. and faithfully discipling our, discipling, discipling, discipling that too. our children into the knowledge and fear of our Lord. That's actually what the next chapter is going to be about next week. Discipling. Discipling <laughs> <laughs> our children. You know, God is setting power before us. He's putting guns in our hands. Nukes. Molotov covenant. Molotov marriage. So... If you're single, oh. get married. And if you marry, marriage. have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until next week, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. It's potent. Potent. <laughs> also, did you know that it was, still. it was potent? Marriage <laughs> is what word. brings us together. American colleges have become more hostile to the faith of young Christians than the beaches of Normandy were to the Allies, literally. Undergraduate training wasn't always a death trap of unbelief. Once colleges were boot camps for body, mind, and soul. Now, most college students spend their days in tax-funded adult daycares with all the intellectual rigor of lazy rivers, safe spaces, and complimentary condoms. And in our recent COVID faux-pocalypse, those daycares became prisons almost overnight. Cover your face. Line up for your shot, stay in your room, but don't worry, the condoms were still complimentary. At New St. Andrews, you are not on vacation, you are not in daycare, and you won't be herded into a dorm. From week one, you'll be treated like an adult. You're responsible for paying your own rent and developing your own grocery budget. Or going hungry. Get a shot, or don't. Mask up, or don't. Most of our students even work part-time jobs on top of the 40-hour class workload. It's part of the anti-fragile hustle and grind that distinguishes our graduates from the majority of their own generation and that employers and graduate schools love. Most college graduates in the U.S. are stuck paying off loans for years. New St. Andrews sets you up to graduate debt-free and dangerous, ready to pursue grad school, a family, or business opportunities in the real world without any reliance on pork subsidies from Mother America and with no weepy need for safe spaces. The real world isn't a cushy place. No one owes you success. You are entitled to exactly jack squat in this life. But rich or poor, unlike your face or your freedom, your job or your business, an education and the ability to think clearly can never be taken from you as long as you are still above ground. Not by petty tyrants or cowardly clergy, not by thoughtless mobs or lab coat megalomaniacs. At New St. Andrews College, you'll learn from teachers whose ideas equipped men and women to build Western civilization in the first place, and which will be used again to defend and rebuild what has been lost as the West has faltered into decay, losing her faith and her mind. Yes, most of our best teachers are dead, but our classical Christian liberal arts education is how we've been graduating thoughtful, articulate outlaws and leaders with spines for the last quarter century. The intellectual and theological bedrock beneath the Judeo-Christian West is what you'll study, engage with, write about, and own. 
It is what you will debate in class and present in public as you learn to live like forbidden fire, surrounded by the darkness of unbelief, manifesting God's truth, goodness and beauty to all who live around you. Training like this can't happen over Zoom. At New St. Andrews, we believe whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of real or virtual fools will suffer harm. Your peers shouldn't be your spiritual leaders. You should have a real flesh and blood in-person church for that. NSA is in the heart of downtown Moscow, Idaho, where you will witness men and women building Christendom on every corner. Where else are you going to be able to break bread in your professors' homes, debate great literature with them while their kids are playing? Sing psalms while being arrested with them. Catch turtles with them. No one comes to NSA to get lost in the crowd. You might be able to hide in a graduating class of thousands, but our classes are better measured in dozens. You will grow in this program or you will tap out. And when you finish, you'll be ready for life in whatever moments and scenes and struggles God may have prepared for you. We are training students who worship and march and study and fellowship and sing and write and start businesses and raise kids that no one can mask, cancel, or bury. We follow the King of Kings who knew the way through the mob and out of the grave. We fight to rebuild Christendom in the ruins, in our families, and in our businesses, in the cities where we live, in the countries where we go, in the congregations where we worship. Your mom may worry that Moscow, Idaho is many miles from home, she should worry more about how spiritually distant even a nearby godless campus is. After four years in a Christian community like ours, you will grow much closer to your family. Don't stay distant. Click the link today to schedule a visit to New St. Andrews College.